0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.
1: Hello, and welcome to a special bonus edition of Material Is Your Business. I'm Mark Rako. Recently, on another podcast on Mouth Media Network, Travel Is Your Business, we interviewed an extraordinary entrepreneur, motivational speaker, and founder of 11 luxury and travel companies Eli Ostreicher. Uh, the interview was so incredible and so in, really insightful that we thought it important to share it with a number of our other shows on our network, including this one. So we hope that you'll take the time to listen to part one of this interview right here uh, in a moment. And if you'd like to listen to part two next week, you can subscribe to Travel Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network and, of course, on iTunes. Thank you very much and enjoy the show.
2: Next on travel is your business. My my connection
0: with globetrotting, to me, it's like a romance. It's an animalistic passion of getting into a country and, and like smelling it and feeling it. Like people always ask me, give me advice, Eli, you're, you're the travel whiz, like if you are within the five mile radius of where they sell tourist souvenirs, you're in the wrong fucking place. My friend.
1: Hello everybody. And welcome to another episode of travel is your business. Listen, if you got a hat on, you probably should hang on to it because I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty interesting episode. Our guest is none other than Eli Ostreicher. He is an in-demand, eccentric, motivational speaker with an unusual approach. And, oh, I should happen to mention, he happens to have started 11 travel-related companies. So I would say he's relevant to this show, which happens to start right now.
0: My name is Eli Ostreicher, founder and CEO serial entrepreneur, and last but not least, a public, eccentric motivational speaker. What I like about travel, the echo of Istanbul, the nightlife in Bangkok, the cobblestone streets of Buenos Aires, kids being sent off at 10 a.m. to their schools in La Paz, Bolivia, the background noise, the smells on the street. The gutter, the beauty, the skyscrapers, travel
2: is not a destination. It's a way of life. From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with Tovan Ball, technology thought leader and community builder, John Matson, digital director at Voyager HQ, and Mark Rako, award-winning creative entrepreneur. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rico and directly to my left is Mr. John Mattson. Hi, everyone. Hey John. And, uh... To his left, and also my left, I guess, technically. Mr. I think we're
3: catty-corner, Mark. We're
1: catty-corner, <laughs> kitty-corner, whatever it is, some sort of corner, Mr. Pavan Ball. Hey, you. Hey, Pavan. And we are pleased as punch to have our, <laughs> uh, it, it's <laughs> a the spike punch, I should that? mention, Mr. Eli <laughs> Ostreicher, a serial entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, a founder and CEO, and the uh, starter of 11 travel-related companies, not 10, 11. It's Eli Ostrucker, everybody. Welcome to the show, Eli.
0: Mark, what an eloquent, beautiful introduction, especially said on the fly. I'm very impressed. Um, This is true. 11 companies, guilty as charged. Um, Was the one for good luck above 10?
3: (laughs) In my culture, so Indians always, we always give like $51 or $101 or $501 (laughs) because the one is representative that it's not finite, that there's something else coming. I love that.
0: That's that's pretty powerful, especially in, in in the Jewish culture. There's something similar called peers. Mm-hmm. If you eat two apples, you should probably eat a third because they're two and they're not rounded. Whatever. That's well, the exact
3: same. Actually, yes. that's the exact same.
1: But and then again, like Jesus. let's saying eat,
0: let's look at this theoretically. Okay, I was up to company number ten, and I'm like, okay, I have a chance to walk away now, stop everything, or let me just round it up for good luck, like they do in India, right? So when I go to my twelfth company, what do I do then? Oh, you just have to launch two. So from now on, it's two at once? Two at once. Keep it odd. Interesting.
4: Okay. Oh, <laughs> so, so it is
0: about the app It is one. all right. I'm up ad. for the challenge. Keep okay. it on. Yeah. All
1: right. So let's start. Let's uh, we started, but let's so, continue so to So potentially start. Yeah.
0: two at once. I get it. Okay. Great. So so I love the the way that we scrutinize the fact that I'm up to eleven, not ten. So yeah. So that's the answer.
1: So let's dive slightly deeper with a kind of thirty thousand foot view of who you are and what you do. Beautiful.
0: Um. Like I said, 33 years old, um, grew up in a very Orthodox Jewish religious background, um, Hasidic to be precise, which is, if you think Amish who use cards and have weird hats, we are way more, you know, untraditional or un, what's the word? Conforming, okay? So um, everything that could possibly be out of the box, about our lifestyle is out of the box as much as respect and passion I have for the spirituality side of that, you know, way of life. I'm sorry. Um, I know that I'm, rambling we need to no, do no, like this, a, is, this is the point like a little bit of a thingy if i'm
1: going a little no bit this too. is no. good you do not need to worry no. about driving you just do your thing and we'll work around you okay
0: yep. beautiful i appreciate that thank you mark you say all the right things i love it <laughs> but guys please eat sushi it's going to make me more comfortable all right at least, well
1: on that uh, note why don't we at least you guys why don't talk. 30, we do that view here okay. on Eli and we're going to get back to uh, we're going to land and get to ground level and do a deep dive in just one second but we just can't wait any longer I know Eli can't wait any longer Eli, all right. so on this show uh, we uh, like to from time to time have our guests bring a snack for all of us to share
2: open your tray tables because it's snack time
1: It could be chips. Yeah, let's break bread, if you will. It could be donuts. It could could be anything, right? Or it could be a massive amount of high-quality sushi. From Haru. (laughs) Let's give them a shout-out. Best Best in town, man. So uh, Eli has been kind enough to – so tell us about this sushi. Tell us about – Oh, my God. uh, Jackie
0: Jackie Mason says people think it's the Japanese that invented sushi. Really, it was two Jews saying, how do we open a restaurant without a kitchen? (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and they nailed it, huh? The only way I ever made myself throw up was in <laughs> Tokyo. I literally put two fingers down, bulimia style, because the sushi was so fucking fresh <laughs> and so amazing. Oh, you you the to salmon re- and the regurgitate tuna? Regurgitate and try it again? Uh, yeah, no, I did not try it again. I threw up yeah, and yeah. did it again. Yeah, I man. deliberately calculated, planned, went in and did oh, it.
5: Man. You should just be a wrestler. You've already got it down. You know. Mm, well, <laughs> <laughs>
0: My
1: skinny on so tell
0: us, no, su- tell, tell us about the sushi
1: tell us about the sushi seriously you it's just really
0: good sushi and yeah. and and I feel that sushi is filling it's healthy it's delicious, and I felt excited to be here with you guys. This is my element I love giving back this Great. is what I literally strive for in life um and you know what better way than walking in with two delicious looking sushi platters that we need to eat of right now let's go because (laughs) it's it's,
3: uh it's fresh because it's fresh fish all right let's break (laughs) it open (laughs) in room temperature
1: let's break it open and while we're doing that i'm gonna pose an initial question here eli yes Uh, and the the question is um what is it about travel that was so important to you that you needed to have 11 companies or maybe more touch on that particular vertical?
0: That's a very good question. How does that
1: relate to you as a person? That's a very good question. So
0: we're going a little bit off track. I was giving you my intro as a person because my story... Well, I think this is part of it probably. As long as it is, you know, once said in completion and I try to, you know, keep a very long story of 33 years old, you know, uh, compact. Um, One set is usually very inspiring because it comes with a very powerful message of hope and a telltale of rags to riches and having gone through a lot of pain, which is why I brought that up. But to answer your question about travel, I don't think the question is so much why 11 companies that are all within travel. I think it's, you know, the way I would rather probably look at this is as follows. We, as entrepreneurs if we were to start focusing in a bunch of different industries, we wouldn't be successful at any of them. Mm-hmm. Imagine if someone asked me says what do you do? I'm like, "Oh, I do luxury, I do jewelry, I do real estate, I do law, I do uh, I'm also an actor, I'm a poet. What the fuck? Come on. You can mm-hmm. tell me you're a lawyer as well. Where do you go to school to? Like what do like what do you specialize in? A few months ago, I sat with the CEO of Assurant, which is one of the largest assurance companies, insurance companies in the world. His name is Andy Morris, brilliant guy very smart uh, London-based serial entrepreneur. And he, you know, we were having a similar discussion and he said, I'm very impressed by the fact that you stick strictly to the travel industry. The way you got to be in business is narrow and deep. Focus on the industry and you know it, live and breathe it. If you start going shallow and wide, in his words, shallow and wide versus narrow and deep, you're going to have a fucking problem sooner or later. Excuse my French. Yeah. Hmm. Meaning, you know, so that's why everything that I do is within travel. Certain companies I founded and eventually moved away from them, um, let them be run. Um, as a serial entrepreneur, my job is not within the day-to-day. It's almost a waste of who I am and and my capabilities. Um, went from travel services to um, different services also, but not... Air itself, which is the parent company, we went to private jets, to airport lounges, to concierge, to different partnerships with um, concierge-type services, which start relating it to lifestyle, and these days these a little bit of medical. Um, most recently, several products, physical products. One of them is called g which is a patent and unlimited device that gives travelers 4G wi- uh, Wi-Fi in 100 countries worldwide. Shaking his head, probably saw it. The other one is called One Bag Tag, which right now we're in talks with Pretty much the largest airline in the world. I'm not at liberty to say, but some might guess uh, who are going to beta launch this electronic bag tag, which is going to eliminate entirely, permanently eliminate the need for a paper bag tag when one checks in at the airport. Mm. Um, I've, is- I've 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 moved in a little that's bit of a jab. that's of a, Thank you. I've moved in a little bit of an, of a different angle. And I feel like it's not just travel; it could also be luxury, since you know, for uh, for example, one of our largest clients is LVMH. Yeah, LVMH is a trillion dollar, one of the largest privately owned companies in the world, and they own Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, Yoplau, the beers, um, uh, Fendi, Christian Dior, very big company. Um, I actually, there was a speech out there when Hennessy, which is also LVMH, launched a $3,000 bottle of Cognac. Mm-hmm. So they did a big event for socialites in Houston, Texas. It was very high end and very um, traumatic, very over the top, like completely, almost obnoxiously perfect. Sure. Um, so I was the, the speaker at the event and it was. That you was you know, pretty was recently, yeah huh? uh, It was a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Most recently, the latest project that we're working on is called Regal Engraving, which is indirectly, it's probably the only thing other than Haryat, which is a dating site, which in hindsight was a little bit of a mistake because if an entrepreneur is going to look you in the eye and say everything he ever did went well and he never had flops or bumps in the road, it's like the couple that meets and says, oh my God, we're so happily married for three years. We never fight. You know that that's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Once the honeymoon phase has passed and the butterfly period has... You know uh, gone by inevitably, you need to work on a marriage unless you're God. you know there's no such thing naturally for two people to live in a house anyway. The point is regal engraving is a little bit unrelated to travel directly, but it's still um very much within my forte of industry, targeting the one percent speaking the language of luxury, being understood by people who are in a certain income bracket not because they're holier than thou when people that make less are not as cool or 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 as respected in my books it's just that well, that's you know, the, the domain that you approach. Exactly. Well, l- let me we let me
3: ask you this. So yeah. all of your Regal brands, so everything pretty much has a Regal this, Regal that, right? It's, so,
0: you know, we, we except launched, for the
3: smart tags, except for the… Well,
0: EliOstreicher.com, mm-hmm. we, we presented it like a menu of companies. Yeah. So it literally looks like a food menu in a restaurant. So mm-hmm. we're, the first section is called the Regal Collection. Mm-hmm. So in the Regal Collection, we have Regal Wings, yep. Regal Jets, Regal Card… Uh, Regal Solutions mm-hmm. and Regal Engraving. So what came first? The very first one is Regal Wings. Regal Wings and, was actually launched in two thousand and eight. When I went and opened that corporation, it was for the sake of offering a private jet service. Was it okay? So the private jet service came first. No, 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 no. I so thought Regal it was, the, was the, the first Wings class was, business was travel. It was incorporated mm-hmm. in order to be private, but it was two thousand eight. Bang! Mm. When the economy was really not the suffering. best time. And, you know, all these banks that were flying their employees or, or these hotshot law firms with private jets stopped because they couldn't afford it mm-hmm. and, it, you know, made no sense. In fact, they started selling private jets. It, it felt like a big waste. So... I had a sh- the, the company open already it was incorporated. it had a bank account so we went and we went into this whole business and first class thing in the beginning on a very small scale by the way 2008 is a brilliant time
3: to start something like this because it's because corporations even though they're still making a ton of money they were losing money on the balance sheet when they're yeah. sending executives overseas and Beautiful. things like that they wanted to make sure that they're in the best they're not going to be slammed on that's the exactly PR side that's exactly
0: why the business and first yeah. class which is how yeah, it started makes sense. private jets were too far fetched budget wise mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. and first class you know, you're not going to fly an executive and coach, you know, unless it's a two, three, four hour flight. That'll never
3: be red flagged.
0: That'll be never red flagged. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we came up with this brilliant, very unique, I, I would say we're probably the only one in the country that does this, not because, you know, someone else can't do it, but, you know, it comes with a lot of buying power, basically sitting down with, for example, the head of travel, the head of sales for British Airways in the, in the, in the East coast. And we established that there's 11 nonstop flights a day from New York to London. Okay. Eight from JFK and three from North. Mm. $5,000 is the average for a business class ticket, right? Now I sit down with John, the head of sales for British Airways. I'm like, John, look, it's $5,000. I'm ready to commit to $25 million in revenue for the next calendar year. In exchange, I want a 35% net fear negotiated fair net is the travel industry term so that's pretty much in a nutshell although some places we do it how do you have the balls to do that what was
3: committed to you on the back end that said you could get 35 million dollars in sales i can't
0: uh, i mean right off the bat if you were to go to delta tomorrow this is li- literally a legal commitment you can't mm-hmm. just throw a number that's what of, i'm saying that's they, a massive number alive. too it, it was a very very tough road in the beginning. In the beginning, we piggybacked off different agencies. We pulled favors. I mean, for years, this office was just me, myself in a, an mm-hmm. apartment in Miami uh, out of my bedroom. Uh, my first client was actually my uncle, who is infamously uh, all over the news. He was captured in Bolivia and Sean Penn got him out. Did you ever read yeah, that story? Yeah, of course I did. So that's my father's brother. It's very that was also story. relatively recently, by yeah, the way. Yeah, two, three years ago. Wow. So he used to fly a lot to the latin americas because uh, he had his big rice business over there so that's a twist you didn't expect right uh, that's of, a uh, fucked up shit <laughs> that's, a, <hard> <laughs> that's a crazy story yeah. if you google my last name and put sean penn but what in it wow it's a, it's a crazy it was literally all over you know every nationwide you know news well, i'm um, very happy
3: for your story. family and your community that he's back and for everybody that's a ridiculous story I remember, I remember exactly when that happened. Yeah, you know, of course. Yeah. Of course, it was With a very the reporter big that, uh,
0: that brought Sean Penn down. He was, uh, the,
3: the leader of Bolivia, was a huge Sean Penn fan. Yes,
0: yes, oh yes. Oh, my God. V- Venezuela was, uh, was involved. They're actually, believe it or not, they're shooting a movie on it now. Really, Man, I believe and, it, and my uncle is in talks with the book deal, but these are, you know, all you know, unofficial news. My pro- my uncle will probably kill me for talking. I'm, I'm <laughs> super close with that uncle too. Yeah, um, sure. I've been several times to California to meet him, and I try and you know do things for the family in different ways. You know, at that stage, I was the actual travel agent to Bolivia.
1: All right, let's take a very quick break, and when we come back, much more with Eli Ostreicher right here on Travel Is Your Business. We'll be right back. If you're a business decision-maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision-makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. To explore opportunities to partner, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. And now on with the show hello everybody and welcome back to travel is your business we're here of course with eli Ostreicher, and let's continue so a question about you know you you talked about kind of the initial
5: stages of starting um regal what was the um, catalyst for kind of branching off into these other businesses I know you, you identify yourself as a serial entrepreneur, but what was it that said, oh, this is another opportunity? I'm going to get right into this one. What was the second step in that?
0: So, this goes a little bit deeper than dollars and cents. You know, unlike what someone that's a typical out of business school type of serial entrepreneur, my life is almost like an enigma. Let me explain what I mean. And I started before with my life story. So, if you don't mind, enjoy your sushi. I'll give you a little bit of a six, seven Let's do it. minute background. Do it. So, Having been brought up in a ultra-Orthodox religious home, um, my fate was to be, you know, maybe a nine-to-fiver or a rabbi or whatever. Um, I always felt trapped in that community from a very young age. Um, And everywhere I could, I rebelled. Not in a bummy, um, street kid way where I went on to drugs or... Um, you know, womanized, etc. I didn't do anything bad. I, you Rebelling know, I, I, is I've all. Never in my life done. It's all relative. Job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So within that community that I was um, at the time, this was a form of rebellion. I stopped wanting to go to yeshiva. I got public funding to go to college. I learned to better en- uh, English, uh, even though Yiddish is my first language. Mm-hmm. Um, Computers is what I did in school, but I always knew that I'm going to end up doing something more or not more, something related to the travel industry. From when I was a little kid, my passion for the Concord. I used to stand in it with my little red binoculars oh, I look out for it. Mm-hmm. And we used to fly to New York a lot because my father's a New Yorker. And every time we were on the plane, it was like super exciting and, and, and uh, nerve-wracking. And I memorized the different airlines and the airports and the different terminologies and listening to pilot radio, etc. Because I also went through a very hard time as a kid, which is something... Uh, I, you know, I didn't use to talk about it openly, but lately I decided, fuck it. I was sexually abused as a child for six years and went through a lot of pain because of that. Um, my fate combined, having been brought up in this type of a Amish equivalent background and having been sexually abused should have been to be a drug addict under an alleyway, uh, in Detroit, shooting up heroin day after day, stealing handbags from old ladies, you know, in order to survive and to feed my addiction, but I'm a fighter and my goal, and this comes to answer your question is never making money. It's very cool to have money. I drive a white Bentley and all the girls hit on me. It's phenomenal and having employees and I have a shoe problem. I probably have more shoes than any one of your wives or girlfriends, but that doesn't make me happy. I know that Michael Jackson had so much more money than I am and he's dead now. You know, for me, it's about creating, being a visionary. Being a motivation, being an inspiration, showing that young kid that's struggling with an addiction somewhere, that even though you go through the hardest of life, I have every fucking excuse in the world right now to be a bum, a loser, a beggar, a guy that hasn't showered in months, but I'm not. Okay. And granted, I struggle. Okay. I cannot get out of bed without 30 milligrams of Lexapro. There you go. You have it. Um, But... The energy that I have and the serial entrepreneurship in me, the DNA that doesn't take no for an answer, that is a fighter and just doesn't, you know, I choose to live and not die. I choose to fight back. And with that, I went and created company after company. I don't, and I don't just create them. I create companies the the same way people chew chewing gum. I do it right. Not that I'm Mr. God and Mr. Perfect. I've done plenty of corporate mistakes in my what life. What does that mean? By doing it perfect? Beautiful. What, no. Doing it right. Doing it Forget right about means. Perfect. Doing it right means anyone can build a company and just walk away, not really give it their all, you know, give it a little bit of a shot. You know, for me, even though each of these 11 companies, you know, on my resume are profitable and They already, you know, they all became profitable within 18 months with the exception of maybe one or two, to be very frank. And the fact that it's 11 of them versus what most people would have one or two with the amount of revenue that we do and the pressure and the clients and the employees and the the PR and the HR and the payroll and the bookkeeping, there's a lot that goes on into building a company. But I can sit with you now and walk you through that structure. It's something in my head that is... Literally the same way other people chew gum. I can't, you know, this is what I do and I do best. I look forward to Monday more than any anyone looks forward to the ultimate of vacations. Monday is my day. When people take off on long vacations, I become down. I start losing the vibe of the office. For me, the power of creation in business, open up a corporation, get a logo, get a tax ID, arrange credit card processing. Is it going to be an online store? Who's going to do the marketing? Are we going to use any of our other teams? Do we need development here? Do we need a dedicated payroll team? How, what is our plan of growth, our plan of exposure, our ROI? How much money do we have to invest? Um, my most recent venture, Regal Engraving, it popped into my head a few weeks ago. I went, I bought something in a Mont Blanc store and I wanted to engrave it. They said it's a six week wait. By Q1 of 2019, Mark my words, because I will, you know, come back and prove it. I will have 55 kiosks in malls all over the world. Each of these kiosks will be housed with two $30,000 laser engraving machines, which I'm not buying. I got a very good lease slash rental deal with them. Beautiful kiosk. The branding is immaculate bow tie approach we're comparing it to kings and dukes and earls that only them are able to handle your louis vuitton your ipad and Mm -hmm. luxury instantly you're not going to things remembered for this no Mm exactly beautiful wow beautiful the only other potential which is another important thing when you open a company is you look at how are you unique okay regal wings is something that nobody else has done Engraving, uh, My grandfather did it. His grandfather did it. What's the big deal? Your gold stamper. No, 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 no. This is not just engraving. This is not things remembered. This is a kiosk of two butlers, of two master engravers that are going to use only a $30,000 machine via laser light to engrave in your $4,000 Chanel handbag, your $1,500 iPad Pro permanently because it's laser and it's instantly, never goes away. It's a flat fee of $50. Um, it's something that it will be referred to the clients via the Apple store, via the Mont Blanc store, because I already worked with all these companies. Um, I actually am flying on Friday to meet with the head of partnerships for Visa, Visa Inc in Miami. So he's usually based out of Forster city in San Francisco, which is where the headquarters of Visa are. We're ready. It's funny cause we were for two years in talks with Visa. And I got really, really, really pissed off at them. I am a little bit of the untraditional, you know, the jeans and the beanie situation also comes along with who the fuck do you think? I realize your visa, but why the hell is this taking years? What the heck is going on here? I could be dead tomorrow. A car could run me over. Do you want a partner or not? Do you want us to give a fair... lounges services that we have to visa members and thus make visa a very powerful card above mastercard above union pay above american express or not what's the point (laughs) slow sailing so many different desks and and divisions need to get paid along the way whatever it's corporate bureaucracy it's a big sailing boat that never ends how do you push through that exactly so visa calls me back after two years this guy is literally the biggest guy visa Everyone wants to talk to him and uh, he calls me up, he messaged me on LinkedIn and then he calls me and myself is like, Eli, what's up? And we have certain connections that I make sure in a corporate manipulative way that I find a niche inside of everyone's heart and make them fall for me. At the end of the day, as the 33-year-old uh, psycho entrepreneur that curses and is all over the place and screams and stands up on top of conference tables, walks into any Fortune 500 conference room, the first five minutes they look at me, they pinch each other like, who the hell is this kid? He belongs in a psych ward. But then they listen to me for five minutes, for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes, and usually we walk out with a done deal. I end up getting a lot of... Um, love and connection from a bunch of different, uh, the CEO of a very large company, um, her kids, unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer. So I made sure within two hours that there was an iPad delivered to the house with, um, engraving, but that's before regal engraving. But I'm saying it's a certain connection where they know that this is beyond, for example, you know, another executive that I knew in his personal life is having a hard time conceiving. He's married for 10, 11 years, uh, sensitive subject, obviously, but I'm involved, this is my charity of choice. I recently, it was, you know, published, uh, I wrote a half a million dollar check for a charity called Bone Ola. Mm-hmm. They're a Jewish organization, but they help anyone, not just people. They just happen to be Jewish and they literally pay for actual treatment and counseling through, uh, whatever, infertility treatments. There's a bunch of popular ones, there's some more Hmm. complicated ones, whatever it is. So I got to know that from close up. So I helped that executive in that way. It's something where you show them you're a beast. You don't take no for an answer. And the way I follow up with emails and I mean, I'm covered with tech backups of to-do lists and reminders and notifications. I, at any time, know what's going on across every one of these entities. But back to David Hock. sorry. um, He called me up two days ago. He's like, Eli, do you want to resume talks? I'm like, no, I got to go. And I I was shaking while I did it. I'm like, David, what the fuck do you want from me? For two years, you were in talk. And this is the head of Mm partnership for me. I knew that I have to see if this guy is really serious. I'm like, David, I have no problem flying to Miami. I'll follow you till the cows come home. Okay, but I need to know that this is serious, okay? because MasterCard came afterwards and, you know, we got into a deal with them very, very quickly. And now Dave is upset because he doesn't have his exclusivity Mm -hmm. anymore. So, again, does this mean that I'm not going to be able to miraculously shake the speed of the corporate boat of a company like Visa, who is literally one of the largest blue chip companies in the world, especially now that all the Visa regions are owned by Visa USA? No, but at least, you know, I, I have my interesting style so again it's a very weird combination my background what i've done where you know how i got to do it but this is what makes me unique and so far what i've been doing i enjoy and i'm sorry for not letting any of you put a word in but now you well let me ask you you
3: you um so just experiencing your style and hearing um your empathetic nature There's a lot of parallels people could draw between you
0: and Gary Vaynerchuk. That's so funny. Have you heard that? That's so, so funny. Or have you felt that yourself? So honestly, I'm going to go, I'm going to be as gutsy and as disrespectful. And to go out and say this, I think that Gary Vaynerchuk has shit on me. Gary Vaynerchuk went 10 years ago, took a company from $0 to $40 million, sold it, and now he's the ultimate business advisor. Well, I'm a lot younger than Gary Vaynerchuk. I took a company from zero to $550 million, which is 50 times as much as what Gary Vaynerchuk took, or 30 times as much. Granted, I'm not on a show that um, uh, scrutinizes and uh, um, analyzes apps, but Gary Vaynerchuk is a very powerful public figure um entrepreneurs and he supposedly is a motivator his word is hustler and he tells people how to do things in my opinion he's completely out of you know if it's a shark tank judge which i know you guys had once here fine these people are entrepreneurs they're business people gary vinecheck used to have a company family run took it to 40 million dollars and now he tells the world what the world what to do again you know A lot of it is what sells, and he has a brilliant social media team behind him of people literally sitting there and editing posts all day long because they have whatever, you know, this is what their job is. To me, it's about raw, uncut. Nothing that he says or he does is really raw, uncut. It's about showing true colors. You don't know much about Gary Vaynerchuk's personal life. Do you know if he's married or or divorced? Does he share about his personal struggles? You know if Brad Pitt is married or divorced, you know what I mean? Not because I'm trying to... Mm -hmm. I'm just saying with the way okay, Brad was actually a bad example. You know, if if Steve Jobs was uh, was divorced uh, or, or 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 you know, meaning people that put the, their life out there. So being a visionary of business and a motivator of entrepreneurship and not giving it your all. Um, I was actually reached out to by a gentleman Neil Acosta with his partner Sarah Bernard. Sarah Bernard owns a studio called Bobcat. They're out of California, Beverly Hills, and they are behind the Kardashian show as well as some other large shows. So we were we they actually flew down to New York a week ago to talk about a potential show, New Age media show that would air on Netflix um whether me myself or me and other people following around this you know serial entrepreneur that is a speaker and is also a little bit fucked up in the head but at the same time very motivational and warm and funny and Do you know successful. anyone like that <laughs> I like it, Mark. Thank you. Yes, so so we met a few times. I don't know if I want to do this. I mean, fame, what is fame? Is that going to make me happier than I am now? You know, I'm very opinionated about happiness. Uh, money, it's not going to make me more than I have now. And money is not my goal. It's not my end result. So, I don't know. It's a megaphone. Yeah. You do have uh, content out. I don't know. People say it's a megaphone. People say it's, um, you know, I'd rather cry, you know, the famous in a Ferrari than cry in a Toyota Carmi. That's such fucking bullshit. <laughs> Who cares? You're crying. Kid. Nah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very deep discussion. Happiness is from within. People have spent so much time and money and seminars and Tony Robbins and the power of mm-hmm. now and books and ideas and, and and the secret. Remember, the secret was a whole big thing. And now the secret is no longer the secret. Now there's a new, you know, parallel of the secret. It's such a, this, wor- this world is so... I almost look from the top down, not that I'm, again, greater than anyone else. But if think about it like this, who are the most, the three most powerful people of the last 50 years or 30 years? Let's say, let's pick three names. Donald Trump, right? He is the president after all. Uh, He's probably the most powerful person right after God. Well, didn't he say, I'm going to grab her by the, you know Mm -hmm. what? So hashtag locker room talk. Steve Jobs, the ultimate entrepreneur, was a narcissist. If you read his books, he was a diagnosed MPD Mm -hmm. narcissist. He made people cry. You know, in one of the books, it says that when one of his top executives left Google, left for for Google from Apple, he walked in that day to the office. Just the expression on his face, some of the girls in the office started crying. He looked like he was literally going to psychopathly, mo- whatever. He's, he's not alive, and he did a lot of great things in the world. I don't mean to belittle, God forbid, Steve Jobs. He is the ultimate of entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, I don't move that apple in my, in my entire life. Last but not least, Nelson Mandela. Ooh, Nelson Mandela. What can, what can I possibly say about him? Well, he was a womanizer. He was a womanizer. He cheated on his wife many, many times over and over again. So think about it. What world do we live in? Who do we respect? Who do we look up to? Donald Trump, Black Room Talk, Steve Jobs, uh, um, narcissist, uh, Nelson Mandela. God forbid. I'm not trying to paint a black, a black picture. You know, obviously we're intelligent people, all four of us. We're blessed. We live in New York City. You know, the taxi driver in a small town in Ukraine only dreams about New York City. He sees a light and he's like, oh, this is Times Square. Mm-hmm. Niet, Come Brooklyn. Car service. Engineer. Mm-hmm. I do accents really well. Um, so,
5: so what are the videos that you've been putting out stand for then in that way? You so hashtag- I,
0: what we've been doing, it's not me personally. We have a little bit of a team, nothing too fancy because I'm an entrepreneur foremost. So if I would ever be what people have been t- telling me all over the years, you need to be like Ari V. you have so much to offer and you're so much more animated and you're entertaining and, and at least you have drama from, day li- from, from life that I bring to the table because I can say, oh, not 10 years ago when I took a company to zero to 40 million and therefore I bring it. No, today, yesterday in the conference room, when I was on the phone to China, when I had a challenge with my distribution in South Africa, when I had to fire someone, when I had to um, expand my marketing team. These are all real life mm-hmm. before, daily before things. Before we got on mic, you were mentioning uh, your interest in
3: becoming um, you know more of a, a speaker, so I'm curious to hear if it's 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 definitely doesn't seem like it's for the fame. It's a hundred percent not for the fortune. So what are you? What are some of the goals that would come out of that speaking? I would achieve?
0: That's actually a yeah. very good question. I like that, and and, and 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 thank you for going to a topic that is almost more passionate than entrepreneurship, which is an oxymoron. Um, for me, because I am an entrepreneur. By the way, I spoke to a big professor. A Harvard graduate professor and he said he wouldn't be surprised if a machine one day would look at the DNA the blood type of an entrepreneur and see certain animals that are f- weird inside of it because anyone can say yeah I'm an entrepreneur I built a company but to really 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 mm-hmm. not take no for an answer sleep two hours a night mm-hmm. and find people and make sacrifices and not be able to have a proper relationship and 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 you're tired and you're moody and you're you're maybe considered not a loyal friend because you don't get back to people. Even my mother complains it takes me so long to get back to her. It's almost like we're on the tip of a mountain. We look, we see the world in a different way. We create jobs. Okay, a lot of uh, people bring food on the table because of the companies that I created. But at the same time, it's such a huge boatload of responsibility. It's not for the faint-hearted. But the answer, you know, back to speaking. Because... I am or I believe or was told to be or am known I guess to be a real serial entrepreneur the ones that is not you're in a small club exactly so I have a mentor his name is Dr Ira Sacker um he's a very famous author has been on TV a lot and he is a is a life coach he's like a, a mini version of Tony Robbins almost so he he tells me Because he's the only person that ever understood me. He's like, you're always going to live a very lonely life. People always come up to me and say, Eli, I see something in you. I don't know what it is. And I'm like, my ego is like way, it's so not about that. I just want to use it in a way to give back. Speaking to me, I mean, give me a topic right now. Put me on the spot. And I'll give you a dramatic five-minute speech that is probably worthy of an applause, if not an ovation.
1: All right. Give me me a word. I'm going to challenge you in a second because... um... First of all, I don't know how long it takes you to get back to your mom, but when we gave you the opportunity or, or asked you to uh, you know, uh, join us here, yes. the opportunity to share your thoughts, you got back to us right away. Yes. So that was that was really not just
0: that. I remember when it came in, I was sitting in a meeting in my apartment actually, because it was later at night, and I was showing it around the table, smiling. I'm like, guys, this is what I love. Right. So and and next week I have something at DKIM, which is which fights blood cancer, and then I'm flying to Ohio and you know speak to a, a school of of kids that just graduated. This is what I.
1: So good. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back. The challenge would be let's turn the lens or the microphone, I guess, to the concept of travel and let's talk about what you have been able to learn and glean and observe through your own lens on traveling. Let's focus a little more on travel and then maybe we can come back
0: to a speech thing.
1: Absolutely. So we'll take a quick break and when we come back, more with Eli Ostrecker right here on Travel is Your Business. We'll be right back.
4: Do you remember what we used to say about running?
1: Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. Yeah. Exactly, exactly.
4: I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years... Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family and I'm not doing it alone.
1: My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. coach athletes all over the world. And
4: I'll talk training. with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train.
2: You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up, and it felt like you were working so hard.
5: Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking.
4: Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we
0: can do this. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at TravelIsYourBusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to MouthMediaNetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com.
1: Welcome back to Travel Is Your Business.
0: And it Uh, is my business. It is
1: Eli's business, and Eli Ostrecker is here with us along with a whole bunch of sushi that we're uh, very happily devouring. And before the break... Uh, I lobbed one up to Eli with a challenge to talk about travel, uh, meeting his challenge, uh, his, his suggestion of a challenge. And during the break, we had a little uh, behind-the-scenes chat and actually had a, a, a maybe a more useful topic to uh, pose as a challenge. Why don't you uh, fill us in, in,
3: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a challenge, but I'd love for you to speak on the way that you form companies uh, as living and breathing entities that don't require your personal attention and move on to other opportunities that you see and maybe talk about the moments and the inspiration that you identify that will allow you to do that when you
0: do that.
1: I challenge you to do that.
0: <laughs> I love that. So first of all, let me answer you and say like this. Someone that has a company, even though if it's usually successful, those people are not entrepreneurs. They might be CEOs, they might be the boss, they might be the founder of a company. An entrepreneur or a serial entrepreneur, usually a real entrepreneur is a serial entrepreneur, is not a CEO. When when someone asks me Mm -hmm. what I do is I say, I'm a founder and CEO, I'm a serial entrepreneur, and I'm a motivational speaker. Those are the three things that I am as a person um, as far as what I do. A serial entrepreneur... It's the biggest waste. It's the biggest um, letdown for me to have to be at a company nine to five and make sure that payroll is taken care of and that marketing newsletters are being sent out and clients are happy. Yes, I'm still the founder and CEO. I am still the father of these companies. But my day to day is not dependent. If I cannot go away for two weeks and switch off my phone and not being paranoid out of my mind every second that something is going on, I do not have a company. That is not a successful company. What you pose now is probably the most powerful of direction that a business owner needs to think is systemizing. Let's envision a Coca-Cola factory, a huge Coca-Cola factory. They do cans, they do bottles, they do... um, all types of uh, different types of Coca-Colas, Diet Cokes, Coke Zeros, etc. You walk in and there's a big conveyor belt. And the conveyor belt pops down a bottle, fixes a label, pours in the exact amount, and then puts on a cover, seals it, boxes it, UPS, etc. It would have been impossible to deliver, you know, Cokes are, uh, are being, um, you know, consumed at the millions of the hundreds of millions of day if it all had to be done manually. It has to be systemized it has to be conveyor belt ties meaning in a coca-cola factory that's physically a, a, mm-hmm. a conveyor belt in a company it's about making sure that you set it up and you set it up right Sorry. so the point is when you build it you build it right and i have had a lot of trial and error over the years what it means to Hire the wrong person, for example. That in itself, one of the biggest challenges in business. Systemizing is huge. And then is HR. How do you hire the right people? How do you know you're letting yourself into It's like marrying someone. So the point is now we know that before interviewing them, we do a, dil- a diligent background check. We do a written interview. And once they come into the office, we've already done research. And then we put them on a 90-day preliminary phase where they get paid on a 1099. And eventually only do they make it to payroll. You know, Eventually do we get married to them. There's a way of systemizing things from the get-go, making sure you have the right accounting um, engine, making sure that you target the right clientele, Um, having the right plan in front of you before you even begin, obviously, is important. Who are you targeting? What are you investing? Where's the money coming from? Are there any types of partners? Um, How is the message going to be delivered? But everything that I do... And which is why I keep saying the line, I'm only getting warmed up. And it's true. We, you know, we joked before about 10 and 11 and it's almost, people think of it almost like I'm irresponsible. Like, what are you doing? Like so many companies, what is this a joke? Like, like you have a factory of companies. No, no. Every single one of them has employees and clients and, and, uh, and a very powerful system to generate and revenue. Each company is unique in its own way. But the way I can do it is because I am not a CEO and founder only. A CEO and founder can be anyone. I mean, I could get paid to be a CEO and just have it as a job. I am an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur cradles until the right moment. He never really lets go because at the end of the day, he needs to be there in order for these companies to survive. I guess, you know, well, mommying them, daddying them. I guess, as needed, especially when a crisis comes up. But yeah, that's what it boils down to. In the end of the day, I am almost like a a fire department man who's just there to turn off fires. You know, if you Google the the meaning of a CEO, sorry, it's someone that's there to clean up shit. And, you know, that's what, that's what an entrepreneur does. He builds it. I, sorry, but you, yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. What were you going to ask? You were going to ask something.
3: You know, it's, no, I, I'm you started your first company in 2008 you're 26 years old I mean how do you at that point what were the what were the foundational blocks that you were laying down to say okay I'm going to build this and then uh
0: but I would have to be very stupid to try and say that everything I ever did was completely calculated and manipulated and knew exactly at the age of 26 that one day I'm going to have 11 companies and I'm just going to be a serial entrepreneur versus a CEO. Come on, that's not really how it works. What was you your know? path? It if was... you were the
3: timeline, your the last seven years. What What's the story? The story is
0: a very, believe it or not, that this is not very much... Business sounding, it's a lot more emotional than psychological because of a collection of weird, painful, unnecessary events that I went through in my life that shaped me into what I am today. To go and explain it to you, what does that mean now? Does that mean that I am a CEO and a serial entrepreneur that does things differently? Maybe I could just tell you that this is what I do, I'm good at it. The proof is in the pudding. I'm only getting warmed up. There's a lot more coming. We do it and we do it right.
5: Um, in starting these companies, uh, you know, did you have kind of a vision as to what all those opportunities were? And have you seen any experiences where you've had crossover, uh, whether or not in your your customers, your employees, uh, for example, your luxury wholesale flights, you know, does wholesale uh, first-class and business-class flights where Regal also has first class and business class on the retail side. So, how do those? How do you balance kind of the the opportunities in the market? And- so that's
0: actually a really good question. So first of all, a lot of these clientele and suppliers and services are similar. They cross over. Meaning, if I do Regal Wings, that is actually B two B first and business class travel, and then LWF, which is B two C first and business class travel. Um, automatically the suppliers are the same. But then we also have a product called Regal Card. And Regal Card is a B2C membership club that gives you travel benefits. So automatically we have a clientele from there. It's not automatically. uh, You know, these are all things that we built and we spent a lot of money, you know, turning leads um, into potential um, clients Um, and that in itself is huge Uh, I was listening to the podcast that you guys had with um, Damon Jones brilliant podcast and he was talking about social media you know the way that this day and age has taken business versus to what fashion retail was maybe 20 30 years ago the fact that the analytics can be so carefully broken down and analyzed the fact that we have um call to actions negative keywords data 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 it's so so powerful these days so the fact that when you put up a web page and you're like okay so what's my call to action i want to get their email address and then what i'm joining them onto a certain trail that eventually is going to court them into the business who am i targeting why am i targeting them what are they getting different here than what they've never meaning The right elevator pitch the right unique selling point for a company is one of the most powerful I can tell you for each of the 11 companies how and why they are different than anything ever done before ever so uh, you know I would never focus on doing something that is not scalable in the masses Um, for me opening a restaurant or something brick and mortar Personally, is very. Not your interest level. It's very limited. It's very, it's very short lived. I'm gonna feed a hundred people with sandwiches, a you know, hundred and fifty people on, on on Christmas. That's it. Yeah, I've tapped out. You know, uh, to me, there is just a lot more.
1: All right, folks, that's it for part one of this interview. We had so much to talk about with Eli Ostreicher. We couldn't do it in just one episode. So part two will be next week, and that will be on Travel Is Your Business. To hear that interview, subscribe to Travel Is Your Business on iTunes, Google Play. And, of course, you can find it at TravelIsYourBusiness.com. Until then, thank you very much and have a great day.
2: This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.
0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.